All right, hello, 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 hello. I'm Ethan Alexanian. I host that one other show with the name that I can't remember. Uh, yeah, this is this is a very last minute kind of ordeal, but you know, some of the best things happen very last minute. So they say. I don't know who they say is, but you know, see, I, I'm trying to keep some consistency with my other show, and so. You know, in order to keep things consistent, I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's besides the point. Uh, I, I've brought back someone from the show's past, or he brought me back. Yes, th- I, I'm the instigator here. You, you are the instigator. You know, we, we didn't know we were going to do this until last night. Twelve hours ago. Yeah. Well, last night, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I was on a on a live stream and I was being quite rude, you know, being on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> they thought well, hey, I, they thought they were boring me to sleep. Listen, today is Ramiversary. Today the is 50th. a Ramiversary. <laughs> I I couldn't be more excited. I, I love Ram so much and I thought who would be more fun to talk about this with? Than Ethan Alexanian. Oh, thank well, you. Hey, well, hey, you know, I mean, I am. I, I have Fun. a lot of friends that love this album, but I don't know how many of my friends could talk about it, you know, track by track and just obsess over it the way we could, you know. Mm-hmm. I I think you're overestimating though how good I am at talking about things. I've appeared on a couple other shows uh, where I've gone through albums track by track and uh i i got called a smarmy pretentious guy <laughs> the last time i tried to talk about mccartney too well you know that surprises me because it doesn't doesn't sound to me like the ethan alexanian i know you know well i i wasn't exactly firing on on all cylinders that day well, hey, you know, we all have we all have days where we're we might not be at our absolute best, but then we have days where we're on fire. Isn't that right? That is right. And, and I think McCartney is a great example of that. I, I just realized I haven't introduced you yet, although most of my listeners or, you know, I'll, I'll explain for some of the less literate ones because your name's going to be right in the title. Right. Indeed. Joining me is... Uh, I don't remember what episode you were on, but, you know, you were episode 50-something of Fans on the Run, Max Como. Right. Welcome thank you back. so much for, uh, ex- thank you so much for having me back. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you for, uh, you know, uh, jumping in on my instigation. Sure. I, I'm not doing much these days. <laughs> ever, ever since I went down to one show every two weeks which right. feels extremely bizarre, you know, Mr. At 1.2 shows a week. Right. That's how I cheated my way to 50 episodes in like three right. seconds. Right, in a flash. Exactly. But it's great to have a ton of content out there as well because, you know, when one discovers a new podcast and they and they enjoy it, I don't know about most people, but I know I like to binge listen, you know, like I'll listen to two or three in a row on the night that I discover a podcast and go like, oh man, I like this guy's approach or this girl's approach or whatever, you know? 
and I, I assume that would have been made quite easy by the fact that I would not stop putting out content. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But that's besides the point. We're here to talk about RAM. Indeed. So, Matt. 1971, May 17th, 1971. Nine years before I was on the planet, and what, like 20 years before you were? Uh, I, I think it's about 30 30, 30, 31 years before I was here. Wow, there you go. It's incredible. And, yeah. and you know, we're still excited about an album that came out at a time when we weren't even on this planet. Ram brings people together. It does. That That's one thing. I don't think you could say that about wildlife. No, indeed. No. You couldn't say that about Press to Play. You couldn't say that even about, um, you know... Uh, a good chunk of his discography you know it, it might bring mccartney fans together but but there are several albums that don't really uh, cross the lines as well if you will although i think press to play is probably bringing more people together uh there's uh there's a facebook group i think of people who just defend that album well there, there's a uh facebook appreciation group for ram as well Really? So I mean, you know, I, yeah, there, there are, I mean, there are lovers of of these albums. Like it, it's crazy, you know. I would, I would go to the front lines for Flaming Pie any day. Oh yeah, you know that was the first album that came out w with me being a fan. Uh, so it was the first McCartney album that I gave a crap about. Honestly, I mean, I remember hearing Hope of Deliverance. Um, on uh, rock radio and seeing the uh, music video on the, the French Much Music in the 90s. Well, but, hope, you know, hope of Deliverance than, charted quite high here, didn't it? It, it did. It absolutely it did. 10. It had an impact here, which is sort of, it's cool. I mean, I love that song, and it, it taught me how to play a C chord on guitars. So, you know, I'm ever grateful for uh, Hope of Deliverance, but... Yeah, I didn't care about that song until 97 when I actually really, truly became a McCartney solo fan. So, okay, I, I know I'm going to get a message from from friend of the show, Tom Hunyadi, for saying this, um, because he, al he always makes fun of me for talking this way. Uh, but Max, yes. when was the first time you heard Ram? I actually love... Uh, again, love the story of how Ram came into my life. Wasn't super interested in McCartney solo. At that point, I owned all the best and I owned McCartney one. And um, I, during the summer of uh, 1998, so like a year after, no, I owned Flaming Pie, obviously, by 1998. So, so uh, yeah, I, I I probably even owned Band on the Run. Anyway, I was a moderate Paul solo fan. I was going about it very one album at a time. And Dipping your toes into the water. Exactly. And then summer of 98, uh, one of the dearest, most important people in my entire life, which I'm still friends with, uh, Martin, said to me, Max, you need to hear Ram. Um, you're going to love this album. And he had been obsessing about the album uh, the whole length of the summer. And this was uh, uh, around the end of August. 
and he tells me about Ram, and I made it a mission to, as soon as possible, go out to Sam the Record Man and buy a copy of Ram. I still have my bill from buying it. I bought it on the 21st of August, 1998. You're really good I went with home. dates. Yes, I mean, the fact that I kept the bill, I kept the bill inside the CD. I, I was looking at that yesterday because I was hoping I kept the bill because I, the nerd in me wanted to know when I heard it for the first time. Oh, and now that's that's a historical keepsake because hey. it you know it's a receipt from the the late great Sam the Record Man. Exactly the uh, Montreal location on Saint Catherine. Uh, man, did I ever love that shop! And um, so listen to Ram and. I liked the first two tracks, you know, it was like, okay, this, it's cool. It's rock and roll. I like it. But the second Ram on came on. The first instrument I ever learned was ukulele. And so I have kind of a place in my heart for it. Mm-hmm. And it's Paul being the twee sort of cute Paul. But at the same time, you feel that there's a deeper meaning behind it. I didn't know the whole Paul Ramon thing at that point in my fandom, but I knew that it sounded special. Give your heart to somebody. It really grabbed me. And then from that moment on, I was like really paying attention. It wasn't just playing in my bedroom. It was like I was sitting down and listening to it and fell in love with it. Probably played it again right after and played it again right after. And, you know, it just instantly became a favorite of mine. So that's how Ram came into my life. The oh, and the only song I knew from it, of course, was Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey from yeah. All the Best. And I liked that song, but hearing it in the context of the album made me love it even more. No doubt about it. Well, like you, my my first kind of introduction to that album was through through Uncle Albert. I I don't remember how I listened to it. I think it was on like my mum's iPod. Okay. She she only had a handful of McCartney tracks. Right. But Uncle Albert was one of them. And so I, I always like this song with all these weird little bits and pieces. Yes. And I was like, oh, we're so sorry, Uncle Albert. Yes. It's, I, I love that from like a Butter young Butter wouldn't age. melt, so I put it in the pie. Exactly. Yes. Um... And I think the first time I actually listened to the album was uh, my my dear Uncle Paul gave me a bunch of solo Beatle records one day in an act of uh, benevolency. And the one on the top of the stack was Ram. Mm-hmm. And and even before I... Uh, yeah. Because you, you listeners out there aren't being... You aren't able to see us. Uh, right. Max just held up coffee of Ram. Such a beautiful cover, and and we'll talk more about it. But and it's a the kind of cover that I would never have the guts to do myself. You know, because you you sort of you know let's put it in the hands of a graphic designer or someone that's you know trained to do this. But Paul, you know, I would think a little bit of a herbal jazz cigarette uh, yeah. in his hands as he's doing it. But you know gets out the markers and the glue and the scissors and puts together this montage. And it's the coolest cover ever. I love it. Oh, it's fantastic with all of this. Uh, I, it, I don't know if it's, it, 
it looks like either paint or marker or something. Yeah, markers or paint, yeah. These disjointed drawings and, you know, on the back there's two two beetles fucking. Yes, absolutely. Very classy. Who who says that Paul wasn't able to get in on the the post breakup bashing? Oh man, and there's some snarkiness on this album that you know I love because well, it starts off with this most snarky song. Exactly, most definitely. Which I feel like it it carries more weight than how do you sleep at night? I think it does too because how do you sleep? really works strictly as a very specific knock on Paul. Whereas too many people can serve as a knock on, if you want it to be an anti-Trump song, it can be an anti-Trump song. You know, it's got something, uh, it's universal. Mm -hmm. A lot more than How Do You Sleep, which is so specific, you know, talking about yesterday and Sergeant Pepper and another day and, you know, pretty face and it's too specific plus it kind of blends into the imagine album which has you know quite a few instances of john just being angry at the world and yes yelling and on an album that's titled imagine and that has the most you know angelic composition possibly of his career and in that contrast i don't find as appealing on imagine as the kind of contrast that we're talking about appears on Ram, you know, twee and angry. This you know. is like the first song on a fluffy album that got yes. trashed by the press. Yes. It, it, yes. It, it's not really very, it, it's not really what you think of when you think of Paul. No. And, and yet it's the kind of Paul that, that we still love. I mean, that Paul in a way, in a different way, appears on McCartney 3 with something like Lavatory Lil. Mm -hmm. You know, he's clearly PO'd at someone on Lavatory Lil. He said himself that, you know, the people in his inner circle know exactly who the song is about. Um, So that's a snarky song as well. So he does have that in him. It just doesn't come out very often, writing to Vanity Fair is another example but completely different than too many people i mean too many people you can sort of see him giving the finger you know it's like it's very audible on there and i like i have to say um i've heard um chris shaw uh, who hosts a podcast called um i am the egg pod i've heard him say and and i think he might be right if you listen to um, the intro on headphones, it might not be piss off cake that he says, but rather piss off get. You know, like he was such a stupid get. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of British. Oh. And if you listen to it on headphones, you can hear a t at the end of it, like a T sound that is pronounced. But again, I always tend to find that if if you're listening for something, you'll hear whatever it is that you're listening for. Mm-hmm. So is that what he says, or are we imagining that that's what he might be saying? I don't know. It, it, but in, in the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If, if you want to hear it, yeah. then 
you hear it. And, exactly. And you like it like that. And I think that's part of what's made the Beatles so interesting over the years. Yes. We all have our theories and we all have our own feelings about what certain songs mean and what certain songs are trying to convey. The, the, the songs are so dense that you can yes. hear what you want to hear. And Too Many People is dense. You know, it, it goes to all sorts of different places. Um, and and it has a garage feel. I mean, it's tight and it's and it's good and it's and it's complete, but it still has a kind of garage sound that we don't possibly we don't hear enough of from Paul, you know. You know, you it, got the kind of raw gritty distorted vocals yes the, that fantastic guitar riff throughout yes. the whole thing the do 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 yeah oh god that guitar sounds great yes and and dirty and and punk mm-hmm. it's a little punk and of course like all all the best songs it has cowbell in it, it indeed Indeed, it does have cowbell. And and the one thing that I have to mention about this song, which has nothing to do with, you know, its inclusion on Ram, um, but he brought it back out live uh, starting in, I think, 2005 on the Chaos and Creation tour, where he was doing it and then segging into She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. And that was a stroke of genius. And I was lucky enough to when I saw him in Quebec City in, I want to say 2009, but it might be 2010. It's, it's a bit of a blur. Mm-hmm. But whenever that, or 2008. Yeah, I think 2008. Anyway, regardless of what year it was, he did it that night as well. Too many people followed straight into uh, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. And of course, more people recognized Bathroom Window than they did Too Many People. But it doesn't matter. For me, watching him do too many people live was like was like when you saw him do temporary secretary yeah it was one of those things that i was how did you read my mind how did you know i was gonna bring that up well i mean you had to bring it up because it was one of those things where you were smart enough not to check the set list before i mean i love checking the set list before a show as well (laughs) but when we don't check we're usually rewarded for not checking because we have a, a sweet surprise mm-hmm. that we that we can but, beat. But it's the same feeling, like hearing a kind of, you know, relatively deep cut. Yes. Where you wouldn't expect it. No. And I certainly didn't expect too many people because I figured he's playing to 200,000 people. It's a free outdoor show, Quebec City. He's going to stick to the songs that everybody knows. Was sure this enough, like the, the Plains of Abraham or something? Exactly. And he also that night did a fine line and introduced it as, are you guys having fun? Well, we'll, sh- we'll soon fix that. <laughs> and he gave a smile to Abe and started playing fine line, knowing that not as many people would know it. And, and I love that. I love that about Paul. It's like, do more of that, you know? Oh, I, I hope that, I, I seriously hope that before, you know, Paul's done touring, he does one tour for the, yes. for the diehards. Yes. Where he can pull out some of the, the really deep stuff. I've said that this. I'm sure he and his band want to play, they play some of these songs in the, you know, sound checks. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I 
have said this many times, and Paul himself has addressed the possibility of doing this someday, just do a theater tour. You know, 1,000-seaters, 5,000-seaters, smaller venues, you're going to be able to charge every bit as much or maybe even a little more because it's a smaller room and it's intimate or whatever. And, you know, make it indeed a tour where it's not going to be all about Hey Jude, Eleanor Rigby, and, um, you know, maybe I'm amazed, but rather it's going to be about stuff like Dear Boy and ever present past i don't know just give us stuff that we've never heard if you did eat at home i i could die happy yeah eat at home is so effing good um but yeah if we're doing a track by track i guess now we've sort of covered too many people would you agree i i think i'd say so and that anything that else lead... to add about it it's a good song it's a good song i Absolutely. All, all that stuff being said about how dense it is and hearing things you want to hear and yes. all the lyrical aspect, it's just a good song. It really is. It really is. This this may be why I'm I'm not the best to you know, I, I'm not exactly a musicologist or something. But I'm I'm I like I, I like this song. So, so do I. Then we go to three legs. We go to three legs. And um what are your feelings about this song? I dig it. You know, kind of a slow... I, I hear a, a very heavy, you know, kind of 50s rock and roll influence on this record. Yes. You know, everything slathered in slapback tape echo. Yeah. It's a little bit black. You know what I'm saying? Well, it is very kind of 12-bar bluesy. Yes. And yet he brings to it a a, a flavor that is so... Paul, that I tend to forget that it's very 12-bar blues. It, 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 it almost feels a lot more, a lot weirder than that, even though I guess in actual fact, it, it's not all that weird. It's, it's pretty standard blues in, in a sense. Yeah. It also really conjures up images of him walking that horse up the hill. You know, like I was listening to it today and I was like, I definitely see long-haired, beardy Paul, you know, walking the horse with Linda and then riding it and, you know, racing down the, the hills with uh, with Linda. It's just, it's very, it's a free track, very free. I, I think this is the, the thing that really kind of draws me to this record is how strong the, the influence of Linda is. Yes. Here. Because you can really hear Linda in this track. Yes. Absolutely. And that that's something that kind of sadly got lost when he wasn't with Wings anymore. Right. Absolutely. Like, e even though Linda was still on the records and, you know, she yeah. would still go on tour with them, e you don't really hear her influence as much. No. It, it's, she's definitely more of an accessory on the... Um, 80s and beyond uh, stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. I find they touch that sort of wingsy magic on something like Great Day from Flaming Pie. I think that's one of the only moments where you can really feel that Linda vibe, even though it's a totally Paul track. Linda, Linda's harmonies don't feel like just an afterthought. They, 
they really feel like they're part of the fabric of that song. Mm-hmm. This is probably something I'll I'll keep kind of coming back to, is you, you I I feel like Paul really laid the blueprints for I think I even said this on on another show, uh, but he laid the blueprints for what he would do with Wings on yes. this album. Absolutely, there, there are certain tracks that will will come to. It's like okay, he he was just using this template for the rest of the decade. Yeah, most definitely. And he and, had it all, you know, down pat by nineteen seventy one. Right, but also I think there's a little bit of, and and this is something Paul has done I think throughout his whole entire career. But there's a bit of well, what do people like about Paul McCartney? What do people expect from me or want from me? So there's a bit of White Album. There's a bit of Abbey Road. But there's actually, I'm going to make the, or I'm going to be as bold as I'll probably be in this episode. I, I think I'd have to disagree here. Oh, okay. It, uh, to me, this feels like the album that it, it's not a matter of Paul, you know, trying to figure out what people like. It's, and again, this is why I think I love, you know, McCartney too. This is an album that Paul wants to make. Right. He wants to do it his way. And, you know, that's why it got trashed in the press. Right. But again, that's the beauty of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it, I think, I think I hear it that way more because like, for instance, when I hear something like, um, heart of the country, which we're going to be getting to, um, I hear a Mother Nature, Son, Blackbird, I Will sort of thing. And when I listen to something like Three Legs, I hear him in that sort of let it be kind of, I've got a feeling sort of let's, let's just, you know, this is just a blues, but we'll flesh it out and make it interesting. And then it becomes what it is. But yes, I do agree with you that it does also really sound like he's treating himself to doing what he wants to do and what he gets him excited. Do, do we have anything more to say about three legs? I don't think so. It, it, it's just a cool little bluesy number. Where, where does it rank in the album for you? Is, is I it think it's you... more, I think it's more the, like the bottom uh, okay. part of, like if I had to rank the tracks in, in like a, an, an order of, of brilliance or whatever, but I, as I was listening to it today, I listened to it actually three times in a row just because I was getting, I know, I love the texture of it. I love what it sounds like in my ears. I love um, when he, when it's just, you know, just before it gets really loud at the end, when it's just, most flies, they got three, and it's just, you know, it it's got a threat to it. It's groovy and it's jazzy and it's kind of crooner-ish, but then it starts like yelling and it gets heavy and it's dirty and it's punk. And it rarely, I rarely take it that way because it usually just sort of plays in the background. It's not one of the tracks that stops me dead in my tracks, but when I actually really pay attention to it, I'm like, man, there's a lot going on in this track. It's really not just a 12 bar blues. It's freaking brilliant. So, hey, I love it. I love it. 
again, it's also not fair to kind of rank where the these songs go because the albums, right. it, it's a masterpiece. It really but is. At least I think you and I would say it's a masterpiece. Yes, and and honestly, it's one of those albums where you know. It, I don't mind if someone listens to it and says, meh, it's okay, but it's not great. If that's their reaction to it, of course they're entitled to, to it, but I wouldn't want to have a super long discussion with that person because yeah. to me, this is, it, it reaches me in my blood. You know what I mean? Like this is really an album that I just instinctually love. I didn't have to work at this album. There are some albums that I love that I had to really put an effort into, you know. Some that, that's kind of how I am with uh, what what's an album like that? Uh, say in in the court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. Great example, King Crimson or Jethro Tull. I mean, they, they I don't know why I associate those two bands, but they're two bands that I I really enjoy, but I had to work at enjoying. I didn't just automatically get it immediately captain beefheart is another example you know i didn't immediately get trout mask replica but hell i i didn't get mccartney too at first no well, neither did i neither did i it sat on my shelf for years i didn't even really particularly care for the studio version of coming up i'd much rather back then listen to live versions of it now my mind has shifted but yeah you're absolutely right there are albums that you know, they grow on us. Ram didn't have to really grow on me. By the time we got to the next track we're about to discuss, as I said earlier, I was in love, head over heels. Yeah. Well, speaking of that next track. Ram on. I, it's time to talk about Ram on. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already talked about how much I love it. Ethan, how do you feel about Ram on? Well, it's... It's a very... It, it's beautiful. It I don't know if I'd call it my favorite track on the album. Like the two Ramon's kind of bookending. Yes. But it, it's a good bookend. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's a magical bookend. In, in a way that, you know, maybe you have to be under the McCartney spell to find it magical and not just cutesy but to me it's magical because it's like your big brother or your father figure telling you hey it's tough right now but it's going to get better just stick to your guns stick well I, actually that's a terrible metaphor but uh stick to your heart follow your heart give your heart to somebody mm-hmm. don't afraid to be loved and and don't afraid don't be afraid to pursue you know and and i love that i i need to hear that once in a while to be honest about it yeah and and even though you know it it may not be my favorite track on the record it certainly works with the rest of the tracks yes and it elevates the album it does i don't think there's a track on this record that i i would think like you know this would be even better if they kind of swapped this out with something True. Although there is one track later on in the album, I'm not going to say which one, but there is a, a track later on in the album that uh, continued to be a tough sell for me for, for, for years, but we'll, we'll get to that. 
But the other thing I want to mention about Ram On is how cool that intro is with the piano glissandos. And, you know, it's sort of like, I guess that's him just having fun fooling around on the piano. And then there's an organ part. and But then, you know, once it actually starts, okay, you know, he coughs, clears his throat, and it starts. It has like very little focus on those instruments. Now yeah. it's a ukulele showcase. I love how it just becomes a ukulele song. And the first time you hear that, it's really surprising. Yeah, it it kind of it kind of, you know, kicks your legs out from underneath you. Yes. And it's like, "Okay, I was not expecting that." Because it's like he's warming up for Honey Pie or You Gave Me the Answer. But then it's, you know, Ram on dance tonight you know like a little one instrument one voice ditty it becomes more than that it evolves into more than that but nonetheless that's what it feels like at the beginning if memory serves me correct you you had a really good story about uh you know your relationship with ram on in in the episode fans on the run we did where well, you you would mention that you would you'd seen mccartney live and you were in tears when he was doing Ram on on the ukulele. Yes, it, it, it was huge for me because, again, that's one of those songs that I had accepted that I would never see him do live. You know, I mean, that was just like, that wasn't even a question to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I used to still have hope that one day we'd get Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, but I never had hope that he would ever bring out Ram on. It didn't make sense to me that he would. And then, of course, one night, you know, he points out a girl in, in the stands and says, you know what, we'll do it. And then, you know, kicked into Ram On with Abe, if I remember correctly, playing like a, a pedal to, to sort of just do like the, mm -hmm. you know, that, that thumping beat and did harmonies and all on ukulele singing Ram On. And yeah, I, I broke into tears. Like, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe we were getting Ram On. Like what? A, what have I done to deserve Ram on in a good way? Yeah. And now, inadvertently, you've gotten the Pet Shop Boys stuck in my head. Do, well, they, I, I don't think I get the reference. They they had a song that's like, "What have I done to deserve this?" Oh right, yes, yes. See, I'm not a huge, uh, you know, there's about four or five Pet Shop Boy songs that I really love, including one called Home and Dry, which I think is a, a great little companion piece to Free as a Bird for some reason, because call me crazy, but in the end of that song, you hear, uh, we're going home. A, a voice keeps, I'm assuming it's like Neil Tennant or whatever, but there's a voice that keeps saying, we're going home. And I hear two of us, Paul, saying we're going home you know at the i don't know anyway i we're digressing here but yes well, home your, your homework out there audience is yes. listen to free as a bird and what what's the name of the song again? home and dry home and dry listen to those home two songs and dry which is an actual quote from free as a bird he's he sings that home and dry you know well your, your homework is listen to those two back to back and <laughs> And email me at fansontherunpodcast at gmail.com with your feedback. And are we already moving on to Dear Boy? I think we are moving on to Dear Boy. I have played Dear Boy for... Um, I had a date over at my place, and I played uh, 
pure McCartney uh, for the date in question. This is a couple of years ago. And once uh, we got to Dear Boy, it was like love upon first listen for the, uh, the, the person that was sitting next to me on the couch. And I remember thinking, oh, cool. I didn't think that Dear Boy would grab someone that doesn't consider themselves a McCartney fan, but it grabbed that person's ear. So it gave me an extra love for Dear, Dear Boy, which I've always loved anyway. How do you feel about Dear Boy? Oh, th this is the other one that people think of when it's like Paul kind of going after John, e even if it isn't necessarily going after John. Right. Uh, but... and, and do you personally believe that it goes after John? Because I really do think that he's telling the truth when he says that it's about mostly about uh, Linda's ex-husband. I, I, I think it's mostly about Linda's ex-husband, but I think a, a large portion, or not a large, but... But there's an undercurrent. There is an undercurrent. Yeah. Kind of directed at John. But yes. what, what I really dig, I think it's a, Les, a Leslie speaker, Paul's vocals at the start of the song. Yes. Just it's kind of that warbly delight. Very that, haunting. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's not something you expect when no. you put on the song. It's like, oh, whoa, what's up with his voice? Yes, it's very true. Ah, and and it's like in terms of the harmonies, it's Beach Boys level. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, their har harmony arrangements on that track are out of this world. Some of the very best ever that Paul participated in, Beatles included. Like, I say that without hesitation. I, I think I'd say so, too. It's a sea of harmonies, and it's a beautiful sea of harmonies. It's not overdone for the sake of overdoing. And he's doing so many different things with that melody. And it's a gorgeous melody. And then Linda's doing her things over and under it. It's It really is a spectacular track. And it's over before you've even realized it. Isn't it, it's clearly under three minutes, isn't it? Um, I can pull it up. It is two minutes and 15 seconds. Well, there you go. It's a very, very short song. And so I, I think there's a lot to be said for songs that last a little, that, you know, yeah. that don't overstay their welcome and, and in fact leave you wanting more. And Dear Boy is definitely one of those songs that leaves you wanting more. Yeah. And and I think in the end it makes the song stronger. Because uh, of course if he did this song, you know, now with McCartney 3, the song would have been 7 minutes long. And it would well, have it would have overstayed its welcome. It it's very possible. It's very 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 possible. You know, Sorry, I mean I I I swore to myself I wouldn't let my disappointment with McCartney 3 seep through too much. Well, I, and, you know, I think we're all, uh, you know, I, I think you're absolutely entitled to be disappointed. But I also predict that you'll change your mind about it in six months or, or three years or ten years, you know? I, I might, but it, it was an album that was, you know, hyped up 
so right. intensely. Of course. Ri- riding on the, the back of the legacy of McCartney 1 and 2. Yes. That everyone's like, is, is he going to do another McCartney 2 or McCartney 1? Yeah. And then he didn't, really. And no, I, I tried so hard to really... And, you know, I, I'll, I'll still say I think Find My Way will, you know, stay a, a McCartney classic. However, I don't for know... Some... I don't know how much I could say that for, or I don't know if I could say that for some of the other songs. Rant over. Well, I think um, I think Pretty Boys and Women and Wives are pretty damn strong. And I have to say, I'm completely addicted to the acoustic riffing on uh, Long Tail Winter Bird. It's just a sound that I'm addicted to. I, I could listen to that track. I actually think I have, haven't been a single day without listening to Long Tail Winter Bird at least once a day since the album came out. I just love it. Well, one last thing on that record before yes. you know I shut, it, shut up about it for the next two months. Yes. Um, I feel like I would like it a lot more if Paul had just dropped the album out of nowhere. Without if, any if there wasn't pre-hype. this this marketing machine behind it, I, I feel like I would have been like, "Oh wow, yeah, he, he dropped something like this he, out of nowhere." Yes, but I, instead there was you know this elaborate marketing campaign. Yes, you know what that you're a hundred percent right about. I I think I I can't argue with that. Even though the marketing campaign got me hyped. Mm-hmm. I think it was over. I, I can't say it wasn't fun. No, you know, when exactly. he, he it was, was a lot of up fun. those those billboards and cities with the sheet right. music. Right. I mean, and all the dice, like, and having people covering the songs before the songs were even out. Yeah. I mean, I admired people that did that. I thought of doing it myself, but I was like, I no, I I didn't dare do it. But I was very impressed. I have a friend. Oh, I thought you were talking about McCartney Three. Imagine for a second. No, no. Well, well, but that's cool too. But I'm talking about people. Oh doing yes, it, I remember this now. You know, because he gave out like he he would print out like a verse or just the chorus, and then people would extrapolate and do their own thing with it. I thought that was like, wow, how did they come up with this? You know, because I actually heard Laboratory Little done by Jan Arden before I heard it done by Paul McCartney, and that kind of blows my mind because Jan Arden is a Canadian that. artist that I never would have associated to Paul. I forgot that Jan Arden did it. And she did a damn good like version of it. I I I loved her version of it. It was slinky, it was jazzy, it was great. And I'm like, wow, that, that's brilliant. But anyway, we're digressing way too much. Well, digressing is the name of the game with me. There you go. Yes. Um But Uncle I, Albert? I, Uncle Albert. Oh my god, Uncle Albert. Well so you heard it for the first time most probably on your mom's iPod. Yeah. You know, when I was you know probably I probably heard the song when I was a kid. And right. maybe that's why it's kind of ingrained itself in my memory with yes. this intense fondness. I'm pretty sure I heard it on my mom's radio as well as a kid. She always listened to Easy Listening and I'm pretty sure that that's one of the songs that occasionally they would uh, they would play on a station called WEZF from uh, Burlington, Vermont. Now they're called Star 92.9, but 
but back then they were W-E-Z-F. And I'm pretty sure I'd heard that on there before. But talk about a song that sounds like the first time you hear it, you think to yourself, man, who else does anything like this? Like, who can you compare this to? Uh, Well, I I was going to make a comparison. I I think this is the closest McCartney got to something like a like a bohemian rhapsody kind of yes with these different parts of the songs and i know he he's done it a few times like you know band right. on the run there's you a couple different sections yeah but just these kind of vignettes almost kind of put together into one song yes and vignettes with actual characters that feel kind of real there's a sadness to the opening of Uncle Albert, you know? Yeah, well, it's We're a, so sorry. It sounds like it's touching. Like, it, it's a really sad song at first. Indeed. And then it goes into this, like, hands across the water. Exactly. Water. Yeah, exactly. It's like an over-the-top sing-along uh, that sounds like a kid's song, but it, it starts out kind of like... What the fuck? <laughs> It's just, man, what what a piece. And it is like we've spoken about him doing some of these songs live through the years. It is a real sad thing that this song has never been at least tried live in front of an audience. Uh, hasn't it? I, I don't think it has. See, I, I've said I've said that sometimes about like certain songs. And then as soon as I finish recording... I find a clip of him from like 2005 or something doing right. the song. So well, I, I found never think... to go on the record about Paul never doing songs. Well, and, and you're wise to do so, but I honestly think he's never attempted this, not even like, like a test run of it. Like I've never heard of it anyway. You would that, think that, that though... seems so bizarre because out, out of the McCartney catalog, this is one of the more successful songs. It is. And I can see how it would have been daunting to, to do it in 76. But, you know, since Paul Wicks Wickens has been part of the band, uh, there's no reason why they couldn't do it. Bunch of pre-recorded I'm, I'm gonna stuff. This. I'm going to Google this. Just well, Google to make it. Sure. Google it. But I, I am pretty sure that he's never attempted this. And you're right that it's one of the best known songs of his catalog. It's still on uh, in Quebec, uh, in the province of Quebec. If you go into a Jean Coutu pharmacy, which is one of our biggest uh, lines. I'm familiar. Pharmacy. I'm familiar with the Jean Coutu. Well, they have it on their uh, satellite radio station, and they've had it since since I've been a conscious McCartney fan. Uh, so you can still go to Jean Coutu and hear Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Uh, playing on the PA system. See, there's some there's something for everyone in this episode. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's some pointless trivia right there. Yeah, but that that's the best part of it, though. The pointless trivia and the anecdotes and the tangents. Right there, you go. Or at least that's my philosophy. I'm, well, and and I agree. I absolutely agree. Perhaps one of the reasons why he's never tackled it. At, at least since the passing of Linda, is that Linda is 
a really important part uh, of this. You know, she she really shines on this track. She really shines on this, and there's a bit of dialogue going the whole uh, butter pie. Yeah, butter it, it wouldn't be the I, same if like Abe was doing those parts. No, I absolutely agree, and and he know, would probably I'm, be the one to be doing those parts. I I couldn't agree more because Abe is not afraid. Well, he, to he took on the Linda parts fun. for too many people. Right. You've you've seen the uh, space between us uh, DVD, right? Of Paul doing yes, too many people. Mm-hmm. Well, I invite everyone. Uh, again, this this might be a second piece of homework for everyone, but uh, go watch the too many people performance uh, from that show. They cut away to uh, Abe during the uh, too many hungry people losing weight line. And that has always struck me as someone that's been up and down on the scale in terms of my weight. Uh, I, I always think of of myself when I hear that line: "Too many younger people losing weight um, or gaining weight," um, as happened a bit during the um, the lockdown. But yeah, I always thought that it was weird that they cut away to Abe on that line. Abe being the only kind of bigger guy in the band. Yeah, it's a weird editing choice right there. Well, does does this lead us into Smile Away? Yes, most definitely. By the way, did, did you find anything on Google about Donald I, I did not find anything. Yeah, I really don't think they've ever tacked. I could see the guys suggesting, hey, let's try this. But I think Paul shot it down immediately for whatever reason. Yeah. Because I don't think vocally it would be too hard to sing. I could be wrong, but I don't think it would be too hard for present day McCartney. Could, could you imagine some sort of like weird parallel universe where he, he like sat Heather Mills down in front of a keyboard and brought her out on tour? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've, I've actually, I've kind of thought of that. I, I remember wondering at the time if maybe that had happened, you know, before the 2002 return tour, you know, um, might he have asked, Heather, hey, you, you want to join me on stage and sing harmonies on a couple of songs? Maybe play some keys? I, I doubt he did, but but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Maybe he did. Who knows? Hopefully not. Actually, a little parentheses to be done with this. I kind of wish he had invited Nancy to, to, to sing along on something from, from McCartney 3. To, to be honest about it, even if she doesn't want to sing mm-hmm. or particularly is interested in singing i'm just saying just to have her voice on there as a symbolic thing i think that could have been a nice little touch on laboratory Lil, she could have been part of that uh that choir that, that repeats after him you know she she i think she might have been on uh new the everybody out there where everyone right coming. oh that's possible that's well, absolutely I, I know possible. like most of his kids were on that well, there you go, and it makes sense to me, you know that because that's the kind of thing that. Why wouldn't you want to capture that and immortalize that on on record? You know, especially if you're Paul McCartney, your whole life has been immortalized on record since the age of, fourteen or fifteen, more or less. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Smile away, right? Yeah. Love it, and. To be honest about it, it's one of the least interesting tracks on the album, I would say. Like, 
he's not reinventing any wheels with this. Yeah. But there is such a drive and energy. And again, a lot of acting. There's a lot of acting on this album. What I mean by that is him doing different voices. Yeah. You know, like Smile Away, he's clearly playing a character. Like, I can smell your feet a mile away. You know, he's he's not just being Paul. He's play acting. He's having fun. And you can hear that on this track. And And I love it all the more for it. And it's, again, kind of like... Uh... Uh, what what was what was I talking about? It, it was three legs. Uh, yeah, another kind of twelve bar bluesy, probably not yes. twelve bars, but another kind of fifties rock and roll kind of thing, slathered in tape echo. Yes, all that lovely stuff. You can close your eyes to smile away, and un and imagine uh, Let It Be era Beatles doing this mm -hmm. you know and and john doing some of the more nasally kind of linda-ish harmonies um and it's on smile away that he does the i don't know how to do that i don't know how to do that don't yeah. know you know that's brilliant and i only picked up on the fact that that's what he was singing like like maybe a year ago or two years ago because it always sounded to me like just scatting but yeah. they're saying real words don't know how to do that and learning how to do that it, it makes sense though or kind of what you were saying i can i can close my eyes and you know imagine them at twickenham absolutely yes everyone sort of you know having a laugh and having fun with it paul hamming it up and you know ringo just yeah hitting those drums and and john having a real smirk and and having fun doing this song they they would have they would have sounded terrific doing this song <laughs> there there's certain songs that are on you know solo records that you're like oh this this sounds beatly but that the, yeah. there's other ones that sound like this could have been really cool if the beatles had done this together yes the, and they don't necessarily have to sound beatly true very very true and you know we haven't mentioned the musicians on ram but man denny sywell on drums is absolutely brilliant throughout and the tracks that spinoza plays lead guitar on are, are fantastic and the tracks that you mccracken play guitar on and i have to admit I, I don't know by heart who plays guitar on which tracks it's one of those things that i have to consult um you know one of my Paul books in order to be sure of I had one laying around a little earlier that I can't find now but anyway yeah I always have to reference like oh who is that playing guitar but I mean the band is smoking on Ram they sound dirty and yet tight throughout the entire album and that's one of the reasons why this album is so great have you heard the new uh Denny Sywell Ram on I've heard two tracks from it, and I, I thought it, it, it sounds great, but, but but the covers are so loyal to the originals that even though I'm envious that that they got to do that, all of these musicians, like how how much would I love to participate in a show like this? Like it's great that they've done this and that they invited Denny Sywell to drum on it is just wonderful. But honestly, 
hey, I'll listen to the original album. You know, if I were there seeing them watching, performing this live, I would eat it up and I'm glad they did it. But I'll just stick to the original, to be honest about it. I, I think it's a nice, you know, treat for the 50th anniversary. Yes. Though. Yes. And I'm glad they did it. Because it, it's a nice companion piece to Ram. Yes, and it's also it, it's nice not to... a substitute for Ram. No, it's a companion piece. It's a beautiful homage, mm-hmm. and it's also a reminder to Mr. Paul McCartney himself that you should be doing some of these songs live. Yeah, you know. And honestly, it also kind of feels, you know, a little interesting in the wake of Three Imagined. It's like. Why don't you do a cover album of songs people know and like? <laughs> well, <laughs> I will. I'm going to resist like going on a whole tangent about that. I, no, that I enjoy, that's a whole other show. I, it really is. I enjoy Three Imagine, but I'm not over the moon about it. But I am over the moon about McCartney Three. So, you know, we kind of differ on 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 that one, but. To get back to Ram, Smile Away and anybody covering any of these songs to me is a, is a beautiful thing because these really are songs worth celebrating and they're worth celebrating every bit as much, if not more so, than some of his classics, you know? Yeah. So yes, not many people know Smile Away and Dear Boy and, you know, if, unless you're a real McCartney fan. But man, are we ever grateful that these songs exist because I'd take them over some of his classics in some cases. Well, I, I don't know if I have that much more to say about Smile Away, but no, I, I do have I do have quite a bit to say about the next song. Oh my goodness. Heart yes. of the Country. Yes. Some of my favorite acoustic guitar playing on any recording by any artist ever. And I'm kind of a little bit, you know, kind of sad that it's not Paul 100%. Like I wish this was a McCartney track in the sense that I wish he was responsible for every little sound that you hear on this record. (laughs) But of course, I I do believe in this case, it is Spinoza that's playing uh, the lead guitar. And those that riffing, that that soloing that he scats over is just brilliant. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, this is, I I mentioned earlier in the show that there's certain songs on this record that sound like blueprints for what happened with Wings. Yes. And the the thing is, uh, the, there, I'm trying to remember because I, sometimes I name tracks, but then I, I butcher the name of the track and I end up saying the wrong one. The Go ahead. One on uh, Wings at the Speed of Sound. Yes. Was it She's My Baby? She's my... Quite right, yeah. yeah she's my possibly. baby. I, yeah. I heard this or that long before I heard Ram. And so okay. when I first heard Art of the Country, it's like, oh, this sounds like that one song. Right, right, right. Well, it's definitely uh, one of those songs that you can absolutely imagine Paul just, you know, sitting in his little corner with his acoustic guitar and building, creating this song in what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And that doesn't make it any less brilliant. On the contrary, it's an absolute 
perfect song. What it sets out to do, it does, and then some. Mm -hmm. It's a gorgeous song. And if it were on the White Album, it would be every bit as adored as Blackbird. I mean, maybe it doesn't have it doesn't have as much weight, I guess, you know, because of course Paul has gone with the whole civil rights uh, yeah. movement with Blackbird. Who knows if that was really on his mind when he first wrote Blackbird, and I'm not here to debate that. Yeah. But it's given Blackbird an extra weight that you could never get from Heart of the Country, I guess. But just as a record, man, this is like this is B level. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, then I feel like it would have made the White Album better if it was in the place of like Honey Pie, if oh, I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally willing to go along with that. It's definitely a, a highlight. And when it first appeared on Wingspan, when that when they put out Wingspan, I was thrilled because that was one of the tracks that I was like, man, I hope this makes a few people wake up and realize how great the song is. And I remember it also giving me hope that maybe the next time he was going to tour, which ended up being, you know, 2002. So like pretty much at the same kind of time as Wingspan, maybe a year after Wingspan. I remember I was thinking, oh, maybe this means that he'll bring this song back. You know, I'd love to hear Heart of the Country in his acoustic portion, portion, you know? Do you, do you think he could still pull it off? Well, I think notes. it would. I think it would be very tough to pull off now, and and I'd rather he stick to the original arrangement than do because didn't he redo "Heart of the Country" or a, a short excerpt of it around chaos and creation? I think so. Like he did, like a, a little well, like a re-recording of that track. But anyway, I remember it was sung completely differently. So I wouldn't want him to reinvent Heart of the Country. Heart of the Country is perfect as it is on Ram. And Could he well, pull it off the, vocally? That's the, good thing about, that's the thing Excuse I love me? about McCartney's uh, touring band. Is yes. That they play the songs you know, very faithfully. Very faithfully, yes. And it's fun also on the few tracks where they sort of dare... To do something a bit different. I don't know if you ever heard him do here, there, and everywhere. For a year or two, he would do it sitting at the piano, mm -hmm. which kind of like changed the sound of here, there, and everywhere. It's it sounded all of a sudden more like obviously like a piano ballad. Yeah, because he was doing it on the piano, but it gave the song a different dynamic. And they've dared to change around ever so slightly a few songs along the way. Very rarely, but but they have, and I I do find it fun when they when they do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, heart of the country. I mean, what else can be said? It's just it's a perfect song, and it immediately brings to mind those images of Paul and Linda walking on the beach with Martha, yeah. uh, the dog, and 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 them just being beautiful and in love and free and 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 hairy. <laughs> you know, and just, you know, country life. I, I I love putting that song on every road trip. If if we're going to the country or uh, someplace that's a little bit more in the nature, you know, I want to hear Heart of the Country. Because that to me is like, it's the idyllic, it makes you dream where the holy people go. That's where I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, 
the the next song on the record for for the longest time this was my my favorite 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 song on the thing which right. i don't think should come as a surprise to anyone who is familiar with my show right and uh although it's it's now its spot has been challenged by another song but we'll get to that when we get to that right but monkberry moon delight oh my oh. god monkberry yeah. moon delight and and you know what is it it's a song about a milkshake that he used to make for his kids. Is, is that what the Monkberry Moon Delight is? Maybe. But then it becomes this whole dark thing about uh, the sinews and the nerves and uh, the dreadful cantata. And it's got all of these cool sounding words, which is such a Paul thing. You know, he he hears words that he likes the sound of, and then he, he sticks them together in this hodgepodge of abstract poetry. But it's brilliant and it does it does not feel forced it never feels forced it just feels like a real you know screamer that just is coming from his heart and from every uh, bit of his being god it's a great recording also you know i mean it it could not be better i i can't get enough of this song it's just it's Monkberry Moon Delight. It's, yeah. It, it just catches you off guard, though. It, it really does. And it doesn't sound like him singing, if especially if you're new to, to McCartney or you're just sort of learning how he's the man of a thousand voices, you know? I, I'll um, admit, af, after I'd listened to Ram for the first time, I kind of forgot about it for a few years. Right. And then it was only until... Or it was only, I I only really rediscovered this song after I heard it on the Sirius XM Beatles channel, right? Around like twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, it came right. on, and I'm like, what the hell is this? It's like, oh wait, no, this was on Ram. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's I just mean, that it just... that riff, and it's just kind of it's delightfully clunky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's clunky in a way that you would expect, like, early 80s Tom Waits to be. <laughs> not not Paul McCartney. And yeah. yet, here it is. Paul McCartney, back in 1971, just a few months after the Beatles, and he's like, maybe there's a bit of Oh Darling and Long Tall Sally Paul in there, but it's a whole other beast. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a creepy attic... Covered in cobwebs, Paul. It's a it's yeah. a fictional Halloween Paul. It's a Paul that we I don't think ever encounter again in his whole entire catalog. I wish this Paul would make a return. Oh, most definitely. And I think eighty year old or or seventy eight year old McCartney still has um, a capacity to to go there with with his new older mature because uh, this is voice. the this is the weird paul mccartney it is that, the weird th- this paul is McCartney. this to me is the same paul that did ubu jubu yes and the same paul that 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 did uh bogey music yeah and 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 most of mccartney too it's the paul that you know perhaps is under the influence of grass or, yeah, or whatever the it is herbal jazz cigarettes Oh, those herbal jazz cigarettes are definitely rearing their head here. 
and he's sitting at the piano and just having a great time. And I mean, that's what you want when you're a McCartney fan is Paul just letting loose and letting it rip. Exactly. So it, yeah. I've, it's hard finding more things to say about this song other than it's Monkberry Moon Delight. It's Monkberry Moon Delight. And it, just, it leaves you in a trance. Exactly. And it's killer piano. It's killer drums, killer bass, that, killer vocals. That guitar though. Oh man. It is relentless. Yes. It's relentless and engaging and it's an earworm. It's it's everything. It's absolutely I mean what a what an effing masterpiece. Yeah. I I had said this song was my my favorite, but it, its spot has been kind of challenged. And it's been challenged by the next song, Eat at wow. Home. Eat at Home. This is this is the other major song that when I I rediscovered it, it's like, okay, so he he had wings mapped out from seventy one, most definitely. Th- because... This easily sounds like you know nineteen seventy five, nineteen seventy six, uh, wings over America, wings at the speed of sound, Paul Junior's farm. Yeah, yeah, it's got that chugging kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's very ready for the stage. That kind and, of, you know, grittier voice with the, the Linda harmonies. Yes, absolutely. And that gritty voice is so much fun because, again, you can hear him acting. And my God, I, I don't think I talked about the acting on Monkberry, but obviously th- there's acting there. And there's acting here again at Eat at Home because he's being particularly raunchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's really just playing that sort of crooner you know that sort of guy from uh you give him um you know my name look up the number you know like he's yeah. he's having fun with it and he's hamming up on that mic and you know ah man it's fun hearing him sing this yeah oh and i'm assuming you've heard the live version from nine i guess 1972 uh wings over europe or whatever that is yeah it's great like you wish that he had kept this on the set list for for years. This this is one that I, I'd like to see him pull out of his bag of tricks. Most definitely. Next and, time, or sadly, if he comes around again on tour. Right. And I think his uh, current voice could handle this. I mean, it would sound different, but it could work. Yeah. It absolutely could work. And again, if we're talking in all honesty, you know even if his voice isn't, you know, 100% up to the task, his band is quite good at masking that. Most definitely. And they they make it lift off as a performance and as an energetic beast, like, uh, every single night and on every single track. I, I've yet to hear a performance that's not exciting from that band. I mean... Sure, we get bored with the umpteenth version of Hey Jude and the umpteenth version of Lady Madonna, but I mean, it's still such a rock-solid, fun band that audibly is having fun playing together. That playing something as raucous and fun as Eat at Home or A Smile Away, these things would sound great. Yeah. And would not be challenging for these extraordinary musicians. They could play this without even rehearsing it. 
I it wouldn't surprise me if if this is one of the songs that they've done in like a sound check somewhere. I, it wouldn't surprise me either. It would make sense with Paul probably flubbing the lyrics, but just having a good old laugh and having fun with it. Mm-hmm. That that's one of my big regrets is that I I know all these people who have you know gone to the McCartney sound checks. I right. wish I had gone to one of those. I wish I had gone to one of those as well, but I will say two things about the, the McCartney sound checks, which sort of make me go, ah, really? And those two things are, I've heard and, and seen pictures that the seats are always terribly far from the stage during the yeah. sound checks. They're crazy far from the stage. Like you're still on the floor, but I mean, they're at the, the back end of the floor seats from what I've seen. So that, I don't know. I mean, I'd love the opportunity to have him as up close and personal as possible. Personally, I'm not, you know. Um, And then the second thing is, and this connects to what I just said about being up close and personal, is those prices. Yeah. If you're going to be paying those prices, I mean, shouldn't you be able to you know, get some of his spit when he sings, you know, and sort of you know, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to pay those price, uh, those prices, I, I want to be as close as is comfortable for him. You know, if I want to be on new, stage records, with Paul if I'm paying that much. Well, pretty much, you know. So, yeah, th- those are my two sort of like eh, about the sound checks. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I see that he regularly does coming up in his sound checks and coming up is one of my absolute favorite key songs ever by any artist it was number one the day i was born uh so i would love to have him do coming up and i'd love to see him do midnight special and matchbox and even though i'm not crazy about those songs hey it's paul and it's paul doing the songs of his youth i'm there what what more is there to say about eat at home (laughs) right um what's what's next what's What's the next next track long-haired lady i think would be next okay well long-haired lady uh i'm looking forward to uh knowing how you feel about this song but this is the one song that for years i you know i'm almost ashamed to admit this but for quite a few years i would sequence it out of the album yeah I used to program the CD, like back when CDs were the only way I listened to music, basically. I would program it out just because, to me, it just sort of lingered on a little too long. Well, it, and it, it goes of, for over six minutes. It goes for over six minutes, and it, uh, it, to me, it sort of kills the exciting momentum and drive that the album has had throughout. Even something... As twee as Ram On still has a drive. And even the early part of Uncle Albert, even though it's a ballad and we discussed that it was sort of sad uh, in its opening, it's still driving because it's a hit. It's a classic. Whereas Long Haired Lady always felt to me like, okay, a little, you know, we're going, we're, we're headed towards Wings Wildlife. Yeah. With, with Long Haired Lady, you know. Uh, a little editing could have maybe improved the song. That being said, I now listen to it and think, and this is a masterpiece. It's beautiful. The harmonies, it's, it's clever. It's different. And 
and this is something that is brand new for me as a listener. As I was listening to it this afternoon, I thought to myself, you know how you always talk about Ram being the blueprint for what's to come? Yeah. There's a bit of silly love songs in here in the way that he's doing Love is Long while he's singing um, Winter, Summer, Love is Long. Oh. You know, there's like distinct parts that are being sung at opposites. I can hear It that. sort of predicts how on Silly Love Songs he's going to do, uh, you gave me more, you gave it all to me. And then with Linda singing, I love you and all of those things, those three voices. He does that on Long Haired Lady yeah. to some extent. I, I I agree with you though. It it goes on a little a little too long. It kind of meanders, but again, e- even if it isn't one of my favorite tracks, it doesn't hurt the album. No, it doesn't hurt the album, and it changes enough mm-hmm. at enough little places, like throughout like, the song. If you had dropped this song on on Wildlife, it, I think it would have made Wildlife better, but it doesn't hurt Ram. Well said. Very, very well said. But yes, it could fade out about a minute and a half earlier. Yeah. And that wouldn't have hurt it either. I, I I think it might have even sort of helped it. At least helped the song. I'm not saying help the album. The album doesn't need help. No. It's perfect. But, you know, if we're being honest here, this could have been edited down for sure. I, I agree. And how many times have you listened to that song and thought to yourself, yeah, love is long, so is this track, Paul. Yeah. You know, I, I think we've all made that joke to ourselves listening to it. I mean, he repeats it often enough that at least once you're going to think, oh, yeah, and so is this song. <laughs> it's it's not a feeling I, I especially like when it comes to Paul. It's like, oh, when will this song just fucking end already? It's right. that's a feeling I usually reserve for when I'm listening to Prague. Yeah, I, I like Prague. Yeah, but it's like okay, Peter Gabriel, this yeah. song, this song could could have ended about a minute and a half ago. Right. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So but this we we already kind of covered Ram on. Yes. And it, you know, but I have it, to say, the Ramon reprise, the fact that at the end, I mean, and I don't know exactly what he's saying, but in your left ear, when you're listening to it on headphones, you hear him say something to the effect of, and there's a bit of a new song. And then he starts on the, um, who's that coming around the corner? Who's that come? You know, that really high yeah. part. And that makes me wish that Wings Wildlife would open with big bar in bed and not um mumbo i mean i like mumbo and we're not going to get into that but you know he's he's telling you hey i've got more songs you know so stay tuned i'm going to be back real soon with some more songs for you you know just the fact that he's teasing at big bar in bed it's just wonderful to me i i agree and i didn't Obviously, I didn't pick up on it the first time I listened to Ram because I didn't own Red Rose Speedway yet. Therefore, I, I was not at all familiar with Pig Barn Dad, had never heard it. 
So I just remember thinking, oh man, this is a cool sounding line. Uh, who's that coming around the corner? Who's that coming around the bend? I remember thinking, man, I, what is this song? And is it going to be anything? And of course it was something. Yeah. Oh, it's a good something. It's, it's a very good something indeed. And with that, I think we should, we should close it out with the backseat of my car. Backseat of my car, which apparently he was uh, testing out with the Beatles as early as 68, 69. Um, apparently he was playing around with that melody and had, I think, the opening lines to the song, but it wasn't quite finished. But this, when I first heard Ram, was my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Because this is the ultimate long and winding road, um, golden slumbers. Uh, you know, this is the epic McCartney closer of your dreams, of my dreams anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, now that I've been listening to this album for uh, since, I guess, 98, now, once in a while, I don't feel like listening to Backseat of My Car. You know, I have to admit, I, I think I've listened to it so many times over the years. I've made it part of so many playlists throughout the years that it's it has lost a bit of its charm. That being said, I mean, I, I still think it's one of the most outstanding pieces of music he's ever uh, put on record. And I love it. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. But it has unfortunately lost a bit of its magic through repeated listening over the years. How, how did, what's your experience with this song? Well, uh, I, I've only really kind of gotten into it in the last couple of years. Okay. You know, I, it didn't really grab me when I was younger. Okay. But I, you know, that haunting kind of piano and the guitar with the the phaser yes it's fantastic it's it's very haunting and it's it really does take you to where he's talking about alone on the highway you know you can be sitting in your on your couch at home or sitting on your uh um you know or just on wherever you are you're transported on that lonely road in the middle of the night uh, with whoever you're in love with when you're listening to the song. And I think it's really beautiful and poignant when he mentions the father in the song, you know, uh, um, about, you know, uh, and listen to your daddy's song, making love. We believe, uh, Making love, man. Why am I getting the wrong the words screwed up? I've listened to this song a million times. Anyway, it's just beautiful. It's it's very Brian Wilson esque. How it's like a teenage tale, you know? Yeah. It's it's beautiful, and it's very cool to think that this is, uh, I guess, thirty year old or thirty one year old McCartney, or almost thirty year old Paul McCartney writing from a very adolescent perspective and but beautifully he, he was only i think about 20 it was, was this recorded in late 70 or early 71 
I guess late 70 and I think a bit in January, February, according to the, the recording guy there. I he, he would have been under 30 then. Look, there you go. Like 28, 29-year-old so, I mean, Paul. Yeah. He probably still felt a bit like a teenager deep down in, in his heart back then, you know? And and he definitely evokes that in this song, and he does so beautifully. It, it's a great song. And it's so whimsical we could end up in Mexico City. Yeah. But Paul is... When, when Paul does an album I, closer right... He does it right. Oh man, does he ever? Oh, does yeah. he ever? I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's very hard to uh, think of an artist that has a better uh, sense of album structures than Paul. I think he's up there with with some of the best uh, in terms of sequencing albums and in, in terms of. You, you know, making sure that, oh, we're missing this in in the collection of songs. So I'm going to go and I'm going to write a closer or I'm going to, you know. And he saved this song for for Ram. I mean, because I'm sure that it was nearly ready in his brain, at least much earlier than 1971, you know, mm-hmm. or much earlier than the Ram sessions. It, it could have been on McCartney, probably. Could have been on maybe even let it be who knows well that being said this this was a good way to spend the 50th anniversary i absolutely agree and honestly i'm i'm grateful that you you know uh went with my idea and of course you know it, it's it's best to wrap it up now but i mean Someday we, maybe we haven't the, even touched on you know the the single the single single the single another day yes. we yes we another we day a woman why a woman why is probably uh, in the top five of his most punk moments ever I mean it's nothing like punk but it's a punk yeah. recording like it's so raw but yeah someday we'll we'll talk some more Ethan I'm sure right mm-hmm. and I am planning on my own podcast somewhere down the line. I'm still looking into different possibilities. So if you're willing, I'll definitely have you a guest on my own show someday. I'd, I'd love that. There you go. And I, I'm always up for talking, you know, Beatle or solo Beatle. So. Yes. And we also share common interests uh, in, in terms of other musicians. So, you know, that could be worth exploring as well. Well, I'll take you up on that offer. You are a young man of fine taste, Ethan. Uh, you sound like my record dealer. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank, thanks again, man. And happy Ramiversary to everyone out there listening to this. E- even though this may not be posted on the Ramiversary, it's still the Ramiversary week. It's all No, it's all good. Whenever you're listening to this, mm-hmm. it's Ramiversary. Just you put Ram on and, and, and you go for a ride You could be listening to this in Paul. two months, and it would still be the yes. Ramiversary. Yes, it's the 50th anniversary, and it is until May 17, 2022, really. <laughs> and with that being said, thank you for listening. You can go home now. <laughs>